Good morning and welcome to New Hope Church, everyone. My name is Bunny. And I'm Kat. What a wonderful and amazing time of worship. Thank you so much, Pastor Kat. Thanks, you guys. And our worship team. Thanks, you guys. I hope you guys are feeling it where you guys are at. Hey, we have a couple of announcements we want to share with you. The first one being, we have our New Hope app that is free to download straight to your smartphone. Now, one of the cool things, actually there's many cool features right here on the app, is that you can do our live streaming. You can scroll down, see what's up at right here happening at church. Ways to give. I, I love using the app for that. That is my favorite way to give my tithes because so it's easy. so easy. It's like convenient. Right there. Yeah. And then you can go down to our Sunday and Wednesday night um, services for our kids. We have our Sunday bulletin right here on the app as well. So many things, your forms, prayer requests. You know what else is a cool feature? Is that if you go down to the very bottom, you'll see Sunday and Wednesday. If you click, let's just say we click on Wednesday, right there is Equip and Disciple, all of our services, all of the past messages. In fact, this past Wednesday, Pastor Sheldon spoke an amazing message on the book of James, and it's uploaded in case you missed it on Wednesday or if you want to share it with a friend. So if you haven't already done so, go ahead and download the app. It is awesome sauce. I and love. speaking of awesome sauce. Awesome sauce is our marvelous kids ministry. You know, I just want to say a big, big thank you to our wonderful kids ministry. If you are doing a home group, you know what I'm talking about. If you registered your children, they got those boxes. In fact, you know what? Let's show you what happened with our marvelous kids. Okay, so look at what you got in the box. Wow. Look at all the things you got. So look. much stuff. Look. We can make a bracelet of the Jesus cross. Yeah. Oh, look, even more! Yeah. Wow! Whoa, what is this? <laughs> and another chocolate coin. Two of Can we eat these? Oh, there's Easter eggs! Yep. I wonder, oh, wonder what it is. those smiling faces. There was some of 
the people in there was my grandchildren. Future artists. Be all proud. But you know what? Auntie Kim, Auntie Debbie, Auntie Pastor Lynn, <laughs> and Uncle Steve, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, as a grandparent, going through the box with them, it was so wonderful to see them smiling and going, what is this? I don't know what this is, but I'm going to check it out. And then when they did that painting, it was so much fun, and thank you. They think of everything, and when I say everything, they thought of everything. Like, they even put little aprons in there, you know, for them so that they don't get dirty. I really appreciated that. You guys thought of everything. It and made me want to have kids again. <laughs> no. I was like, what? This is what kids get? I want a box. <laughs> oh, yeah, to be a kid again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did want to be a kid again. And then they put the names, their names on top of Personal each apron so that they wouldn't fight over like whose one is who so when I say they thought of everything you guys thought of everything so thank you all I felt was love coming from that box to our children so thank you guys very much yeah so go ahead and sign up your keiki if you're part of our home groups that link that we just shared you can go ahead click on that it'll take you straight to that well I think that's all the announcements we have for you this morning thank you so much Pastor Kat thank you at this time, we are going to prepare our hearts to receive the tithes and the offering. You know, last week, a friend ran into me uh, at the store, at the supermarket, and she was asking what most of you have been asking when you run into one of us here at New Hope Church. Hey, when are we going to reopen? When are we going to regather? And I was able to share with her that we are working super hard along with our staff and our volunteers on the how. We may not know exactly when, but we're working on the how because you matter to us. And I was also able to share with her that during this time, our church doubled, tripled, and sometimes quadrupled in size because of our online services. That is because of your faithfulness, your, your generosity, and your continued obedience. When I was able to share that with her, it gave her a different perspective. It was able, she was able to kind of say, hey, wow, I forgot. Sometimes we think it's just in the building, that's church. But God knows it's much bigger than that. And because of your faithfulness, your generosity, and your obedience, we are able to continue to advance God's kingdom, to proclaim, to be on mission with Jesus, and stick to our assignment. And that is to reach those who are far from God. So thank you. Thank you for continuing to be that church that moves the gospel out, even when the doors, our physical doors, may be closed. The church continues, and that's because you continue to say yes to what Jesus is asking of us. Let's pray. Most Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for giving us the heart that beats with yours. Thank you for your generosity towards us so that we can be generous as well. Lord, I ask that you will continue to bless the tides that are coming in, bless the offering that is coming in, Lord. Multiply it so that we can continue to be multiplied 
and that we can go out into the community, into our homes, into our schools, into our families, Lord, and bring your word. Thank you for the faithfulness, Lord, that you continue to show us so that we too can be faithful. Bless the givers. Bless those that continue to remain faithful. Thank you for this church. Thank you for your word. And most of all, thank you for your son, Jesus. We ask all these things in his name. Amen. Well, we are kicking off a brand new series this morning called The Big Ten. In fact, Pastor Marsha is bringing the message entitled, Is There Only One God? Pastor Marsha. Thank you, Pastor Bunny. And before we even get started, I just want to say, you know, when those of us who got those um, boxes with our kids, I just want you to know that every one of those eggs, the bigger ones, were homemade. So when they say they thought of everything, they thought of everything, and they made it special for the kids. So I got to thank them. Well, like Pastor Bunny said, that we are kicking off a new series called The Big Ten. And I get to talk about the first commandment. And the thing that we need to know is, you know, we, we hear the commandments, and we start thinking, oh, we're going to get into all these rules, we're going to get into regulations, we're going to get into all these things. But the interesting thing about the Ten Commandments is that most of us actually have an inaccurate, inaccurate view of them. See, many of us think that the Ten Commandments is a list of do's and don'ts. It's a way to live life so that we can please God and earn his favor. Well, the Ten Commandments do define a way to live life. They are more a sign of us being the children of God than they are an instruction manual on how to live and how to gain favor or to even earn salvation. Now, thousands of years ago, God led the Israelites out of Egypt. He made a covenant with them. And he said if they would obey him and keep his covenant, then they would be a nation like unlike any other. The people agreed. And so God calls Moses up to Mount Sinai, and it's at the top of Mount Sinai where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And instead of being an instruction manual on how we're going to live or how we're going to earn God's favor, they're actually an invitation to trust God and to learn to live in alignment with his wisdom. See, God's wisdom would teach the Israelites how to live, and how to value each other. So remember, they'd been slaves all these years under Egyptian rule. They'd been devalued, demoralized, and they felt broken. And in their oppression, God heard them and he rescued them. He led them out of slavery and into a new life of freedom. However, after all those years of oppression, they would need some definition on how to live amongst each other as a free people. So the Ten Commandments were twofold in that God gave the Israelites a new way to live, and he was setting them apart from the rest of the nations around them. In Exodus chapter 19, verses 4 through 6, it records God's instructions to Moses. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings, and I brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession, although the whole world is mine. In the New Testament, one of Jesus' inner circle, the Apostle Peter, would reiterate what God, that God is continuing 
to call people out and set them apart. And Peter wrote, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So the Ten Commandments are just as important to us today as they were thousands of years ago when God first gave them. But we've got to remember that following them doesn't earn us God's love or his favor. When we live by his commandments, it's a picture of his love and his favor to the world around us. Remember, as Peter wrote, we are called, we're set apart to show, other, to show others God's love and his righteousness, which is available to them. And the best way for them to see that and to experience it is in how we choose to live our lives. The Ten Commandments shows us how to live in a way that both honors God and honors people. So before we get started, we're going to do this. We're going to actually say the Ten Commandments together wherever you are. They're going to come up on the screen, and then we'll just state them. Um, and I think we're going to do that every week so that we can kind of get to know them, okay? So the first one, you shall have no other gods before me. The second one, you can repeat this with me. You shall make no idols. Number three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Number four, keep the Sabbath day holy. The fifth one, honor your father and mother. Number six, you shall not murder. The seventh, you shall not commit adultery. Eight, you shall not steal. Nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And the tenth one, you shall not covet. And today, we're going to actually focus on the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, what does God mean? And why does he say, you shall have no other gods before me? Well, to begin to answer that question, we need to realize that this Bible, that this Bible is a story of God's relationship with us. And in Exodus chapter 19, verse 5, God established that he wanted a covenant relationship with the Israelites by saying to them, if they will obey my voice and keep my commandment, then you will be my treasured possession. See, just before he gave the Ten Commandments, God reminded Moses who he is and what he's done for Israel. He said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. I am the Lord your God. God is stating that this is a relationship. He says, I am your God. This is who I am. I am. The complete Jewish study Bible translates the beginning of God's statement this way. I am Adonai, your God. This covenant that God was establishing with the Israelites was built on a two-way relationship. They would have a relationship with God, and he would have a relationship with them. And after establishing that this covenant is built on relationship, God reminded Moses that he had kept his end of the bargain. He continued, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. 
See, God delivered Israel out of bondage in a land that was not their own, and he would lead them into their future, into the land that he had promised their ancestors and the patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This was the starting point of receiving and keeping the Ten Commandments. God first revealed who he is and what he's done. And through the statement and the commandments that follow, God revealed what it looked like for him to be their God and for them to be his people. Read this way, we can almost hear God say, because of our relationship and because I am the Lord your God and because you are my children and because I keep my promises, you won't have any other gods before me. See, we choose to love and serve God, not to earn his favor, but because we've already experienced it through relationship. So when we think about obeying God's commands, it's not do this or else. Rather, because we're in a two-way relationship, we choose to worship God. And if you're taking notes, and um, that should, um, there's a link for that online if you're, um, if you're on there. Um, if you're taking notes, you can put this in. Operate out of a relationship with God. Whatever you do, operate out of a relationship with God. Now, I got to tell you this. I hate golf. I hate golf with a passion. But every now and then, pre-COVID, my husband would say, do you want to go golfing? Because he knows that I like walking. And so when you golf, you walk. So I'd say, I would say, yeah, and not because I wanted to golf, because I hate golf with a passion. But I would go because I want to spend time with Tom. And we'd go to the golf course, and he'd try to tell me how to hit, you know, all these rules. Hold the um, club this way, hold your hip this way, put your elbow up. And I'm like, look, I just want to go hit the ball. And my son and my husband would hit the ball, and we'd go like this, and the ball is way out there. And then they would tell me, okay, you got to do this, and you got to do that. And I'm like, I don't want to listen. I hate this. And I'd hit the ball, and I'd look way out there, and my ball was right there. See, I hated golf. I wasn't good at it, but it's what I did because I love Tom and I wanted to be with him. And that's what relationship does. Relationship bleeds into our actions. You can't have a relationship with someone and not have it affect what you do or why you choose to do some things. And the religious leaders of Jesus' time were great followers of the law, but they lacked the relational aspect, and therefore they were severely deficient in grace. And they were bothered by Jesus because to them, he was in conflict with the law as they understood it, and he offered way too much grace. So one day they tested Jesus, and they asked him, well, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. According to Jesus, if we love God and love people, we can't help but obey God's commands. Every other command is built upon our love for God and for others. Love for God 
and others will shape our perception. It'll mold our decisions. It'll cause our actions so that we line up with God's commands by default. See, if I truly love God, then by nature, I'll worship only one God. I won't have idols in my life. I won't use his name recklessly or flippantly. And I will keep a day centered on honoring him. And if I truly love others, it's not going to be difficult for me to honor my parents, to not take someone's life, to not cheat on my spouse, and if you're not married, not cheat with someone else's spouse. I won't lie, steal, or say things against someone, and I won't crave their possessions. See, if I love God and people, I won't carry a checklist with me to make sure I'm following God's commands. They will flow out of my relationship with God and with people. The Apostle Paul understood this when he wrote to the church in Rome. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves God has fulfilled the law. Now, this is not in your notes, but he continues in verses 9 and 10. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, according to Jesus and then echoed by Paul, our relationship with God and others will bleed out into what we do. Love will shape our actions and our reactions. That's why it's so important to operate out of relationship. God's commands are not a behavior manual to carry in our pockets or on our phones so that we can check them off. They're an invitation to trust God and to live by his wisdom, which leads to the second point. Let God be God. That's also known as stop trying to do it yourself. See, God didn't give us the command so that we can carry them around and make sure that we're living just, okay, I didn't do this, I didn't, ooh, okay, I gotta go fix that. They're not a roadmap to, God's, to earning God's favor as much as they reveal to us how much we need God. And when we try to follow all the commands as a way to prove our righteousness or to learn God's favor, we're gonna fail and we will fail miserably. But I think that's the point. See, the Ten Commandments show us how difficult it is to live a perfect, sin-free life, and it exposes when we are trying to behave our way into God's favor. I'm reading a book now. It's called Jesus Never Said Anything New. It's by Rabbi Matt Rosenberg, and he says this, God gave us his commandments so that we would wrestle in our daily lives with who he is and who we are in comparison to him. They're supposed to bring us back to him to make us aware of our sin and encourage us to repent. But too often, we make the rules our God. So we become more concerned about obeying the commands to prove how good we are without realizing the commands don't make us right. They expose our need for God. Now, when I found out that this is what I was going to get to speak on this Sunday, I sat down and I looked up the Ten Commandments. I said, hey, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I bet you I do really good. And so I started looking at the commands. And then you know what? 
I broke half of them. Half the commandments. You know the commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor? Have you ever embellished a story to make it more exciting or fun? I've done that. You shall not murder? Easy. Except Jesus said, if you're angry with someone, you're just as guilty. You shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Well, there's a few times that I've been flippant in what I've said. Does oh my God ring a bell? Keep the Sabbath day holy. Can we be honest? Do you or I really keep a Sabbath? And the first one? The one that we're talking about, you shall have no other gods before me. See, I hate to admit it, but I stretch and I break this one more times than I want to admit. See, this is the commandment that most of us believe that we never break. After all, we don't have any other gods in our lives. We say we're Christians. We may read our Bibles and pray, at least over our meals. We attend church online or in person. God is definitely number one. There are no other gods in our lives. Yet the command is much broader than we think. Anything that we give a chunk of time to and energy to can become a God in our lives. And I'm not saying like, oh, I'm giving all this time to it. It's like when it becomes primary and penultimate, it's something that's so important to me. Sports, hobbies, habits, TV, maybe a medical diagnosis, relationship problems, work issues, addictions, finances, politics. If it becomes a primary concern to any degree, our trust and loyalty to God is trusted, then it has become a small g, God in our lives. See, in biblical times, it was easy to see the worship of other gods. The Israelites would build or carve um, idols out of wood, metal, or stone. And then they would carry these around, obviously worshiping other gods instead of the God of the Bible, the one who delivered them from slavery, the one that they had a covenant relationship with. And we don't do that today, but we do have other gods nonetheless. Now, just a caution, because I don't want to become too legalistic or even overly cautious here, but we can thoroughly enjoy something without crossing the line into worship. See, during football season, I have the scores on my phone so that I can see how my team is doing all day. I talk a lot, and I mean a lot, about good books that I read or restaurants that I've been to. But when we sense or others warn us that something has become all-consuming or too important in our lives, we may have crossed the line. Or when things that in this moment displaces God as primary in our heart desires, we may have crossed the line. Like when we recognize and we know what is the righteous and God-honoring choice to make, thing to say, or action to take, but we don't. Because we are too angry at that person, too vested in that relationship. I want that item too much. We're too worried about that situation. Too... You can fill in that blank. And in that moment... We may not have picked up a carved wooden or, um, or stone idol, but in that moment, we've still raised an idol in our heart, and we've put another God before the one true God. 
For instance, if I sense God wants me to give to a mission or even a person, but I can't because my money is vested in all the little things that I want, who's God? Or if I know that I need to spend more time with my family, but I don't want to stop my hobby or my relationship, then who or what is God? And I've been guilty of being angry at God and sulking because he didn't answer a prayer the way that I wanted to. So is he God or am I? See, anything can become a God to us. Anything that we put an excessive amount of time, thought, or emotions into. Anything that takes first place in our hearts, even if it's just for a moment. Even our own feelings can become a God if we allow them to control our attitude. And it's easy in the course of a day to become distracted, to let your mind wander, or to become entrenched. But we don't need to beat ourselves up or stay stuck. God very graciously reminds us. This is what the Lord says. Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty, I am the first and the last. Apart from me, there is no God. He is our king, he's our redeemer, and he's our Lord Almighty. And we can come back to him because there is no other God. And whenever you sense that you're letting something else take up space in your mind or heart, space that belongs to God, pause for a moment and remind yourself, he is God. I am not. In fact, write that in the chats right now. He is God. I am not. The psalmist paused, and he remembered that he is God. And he wrote, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That's Psalms 46.10. Be still and know. Pause. Remember his goodness. Remind yourself of his faithfulness. Think about his love. And then when you find that you've been distracted or scattered, pause and choose to remember he is God. Which leads to our third point, which is draw a line in the sand. Just draw a line right there. In the Old Testament book of Joshua, the Israelites had entered into the land that God had promised their ancestors. Joshua had assisted Moses in the desert and led the people for about 25 years. And it's near the end of his life, and he's giving them some final instructions. And he reminds the people of God's faithfulness, even amongst their unfaithfulness. He recounted how God had protected them, and he'd led them over the years. And then he reminded them that it was God who went before them. And then he challenged them to draw a line in the sand, to make a choice about who they would yield their hearts to. And he said, Now fear the Lord and serve him with faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors um, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But 
as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That was it. That was his line in the sand. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will face the same choices and decisions each day. Will we serve our emotions, popular opinion, our appetites, our political system, addictions, our fears? Or will we set them aside and choose to place our hope, faith, and trust in God? See, when we choose to trust God above all else, we are obeying the first commandment. It is setting everything else that would want to be a small g God in our lives in their place as we make a decision to give God, the creator of the universe, the one who saved and delivered us, the covenant-making, promise-keeping God, primary space in our hearts and our desires. And we choose to have no other gods before him. Draw a line in the sand today. Determined to trust God alone and allow no other con concern to take precedence over him. Based on this commandment and the commandment to love others, every other commandment leans on these two. And as we close, I want to remind you that as we choose to live by God's commands, we are not following a list of rules that make us right or earn his favor. The commandments remind us how to live amongst each other. They remind us that God is God, and we are not. They are a picture of our two-sided relationship that is covenantal with the God of this universe. God's commands are not to bring us fear or to make us rule mongers. They are to guide us, refresh us, and lead us closer to God. Let me end with this final scripture that King David wrote in the book of Psalms. And actually, you know what? I'm actually going to read it from my Bible, so it'll be a little bit different because I sent them a different version. But in Psalms 19, verses 7 through 11, um, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the judgment of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. God's law. His commandments are perfect. They don't separate us from him, nor do they drive us from him. Instead, they're an invitation for us to come to him, to trust him, and to rely on his wisdom. His commandments are a picture of God's wisdom and his favor to the world. And if we live by them, then the world around us will see what it's like to be a people that's set apart to a one, true, holy, almighty, promise-keeping God. Now, before we close, I'm going to give you a couple of questions that you can think about or you can um, discuss within your home groups if you have them. And the first one is this. How do you view the Ten Commandments? 
How do you see them? The second, in what area do you need to let God be God? And then the final one, where do you need to draw a line in the sand? Where do you need to make that choice? Would you bow your heads wherever you are and let's pray. Abba, Father, the one true God, the one who loves us, the one who calls us into relationship, the one who is our God, the one who wants a two-way relationship with us. We love you and we want to serve you. And we set you up in our hearts as the one true God. And would you come to us and would you remind us that in those times when we get all flustered or let fear or anything else take its place in our hearts, would you remind us to repent, to return to you, and to come back to your wisdom, and to come back to your love, and to once again trust you. And Lord, there may be some who are listening here online who have never known that they could have a relationship with you, who didn't know that the God of the universe who created everything that we see out of absolutely nothing wants to have a relationship with them. That you, God, not only want to have a relationship with them, but you sent your son Jesus to make a sacrifice so that we could draw closer to you. And by his stripes, we are healed. So Lord God, if there's anyone here who wants to say, I ask you to be my Lord. I ask you to be my savior. I ask to have a relationship with you. Then I pray, Lord God, they would make that choice right now. That they would choose you. They would yield their lives, their hearts to you. And though they may not be perfect from this moment on, that they would know that the God of the universe loves them, covers them, and keeps his promises. And so, Lord God, we welcome them into the family. And for the rest of us, we pray, Lord God, that we would walk with you. That we would not use these commands to um, dictate how we earn your favor but we would use these commands to show us that we need you. We love you, Lord. We receive you in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>